0: Chapter 4. Edward and Godwin. Part 1. Edward's official coronation, not on a boat, took place at Winchester Abbey in 1043 on Easter Sunday. Arthur Canute had died shortly after the two men landed in England and the country seemed pleased to have Edward back from exile. It was a grand affair, the cathedral was full and the archbishop took the service as always with coronations. Edward promised to God to defend England to the best of his abilities and prayed for the whole country. Emma and Godwin attended the service in lavish clothes. They were both hoping for an important role in this new king's regime. However, Emma was to be disappointed. Only a few weeks after becoming king, Edward rode fast to his mother's apartments and in a terrible row took her money, her title and all of her land from the old queen. It was certainly the case that Edward and his mother had not been close, but the trigger for this awful treatment was down to a rumour that Edward heard as soon as he'd landed back in England. The Vikings were going to rebel against him and Emma might help them. The new king, surrounded by the Viking warriors and nobles that Canute had put in charge, was already feeling a bit lacking in friends and allies. But to hear that his own mother was working against him threw him into a terrible rage. She had, after all, preferred Canute and Arthur Canute to her old English family. And even with her own son on the throne, she wanted to be running the show. Edward threw her out and she lived the rest of her life in poverty. Now Edward had to work on how to run the country with no one on his side. Part 2. Edward gets bullied by Godwin. One man very keen to be Edward's new friend was Godwin. However, Edward needed Godwin more than the other way around. The famous Earl of Wessex, put in place by King Canute, was the most powerful man in the country and the richest too. Edward knew that if he did not have Godwin on his side, he might as well give up being king now. And so it was with a heavy heart that Edward arranged to meet Godwin to make up their differences and vow to rule the country together in peace. Godwin came to Edward's palace and bowed at his throne, paying respect and homage to the new king. When Edward looked down into Godwin's small, dark, mischievous eyes, he was filled with rage and an urge to avenge his brother right there by blinding Godwin, just as Godwin had done to young Alfred just a few years before but he resisted. He was the king now, and he knew that he needed Godwin on his side. Godwin kept to his promise to assist the king and gave him help in court. He told Edward who to speak to and how, and how to get things done without making enemies. Edward had spent so much of his life in Normandy now, the English customs were unusual to him, and he greatly benefited from Godwin's help. Edward decided to repay the earl with the promise of land to some of Godwin's many children. To Swain Godwinson, he gave lands in the Midlands, and to Harold Godwinson, he gave control of East Anglia. Noble King, we're so grateful for this generous gift of land, said Godwin in hushed tones. We are, all of us, blessed that you returned to your country and are leading us to a strong and wealthy England. Despite his words, Edward still did not trust Godwin, and something sneaky dancing in the earl's eyes, told them that he was being laughed at. But the king often felt like this in Godwin's presence, like there was some secret that he didn't quite understand and he didn't like it. What this secret might have been, Edward found out only a few months later in 1045. He was feasting with Godwin and the other earls, a springtime festival where there was even more meat and wine than usual. Godwin seemed to Edward to be in a particularly high spirit and it wasn't until the end of the meal when all the other elves had left that Edward found out why. Dear king, I have a suggestion, Godwin said boldly, looking straight into the king's eyes as if to challenge him. My daughter Edith has become an extremely accomplished and beautiful young woman and you are still in need of a wife and heir to secure this kingdom. May I suggest that the two of you meet? But Edward had already met Edith and he didn't like her. Yes, she was beautiful and extremely talented at music and dance and she even spoke four languages. But she was also arrogant, conceited and stubborn. So proud of being a Godwinson that she had been brought up to be strong-willed and aggressive. She also looked far too much like Godwin for Edward's liking. He didn't think he could stand a lifetime of waking up to look at those same small dark eyes. However, the king had no choice, and after several more pressured conversations, he agreed to the marriage that would put Godwin at the heart of the royal family as the king's father-in-law. It had been a beautiful day for a wedding, just at the end of January when the snow was still a light dusting over the countryside. Godwin was at the front of the church, surrounded by his large family, sat between his sons Harold and Tostick. He looked smug, Edward thought, as he stood in the vestry getting ready for the service. He was peering through a gap in the wood, checking what guests were arriving. The earls were there, abbots and bishops from all over the land. He was pleased to see that his mother Emma had not showed up. He hadn't seen her for years now. But it pulled on his heart that his brother Alfred would not be here, supporting his decision to marry Edith, and no doubt leading the toasts in the party afterwards. The music started playing, and the king walked boldly to the front of the church, feeling the eyes of the crowd on him. There he waited for Edith to arrive, a feeling of trepidation in the pit of his stomach. There was no doubt this wedding was arranged by Godwin. Part three, Edward stands up to Godwin. It was six years later, and Edward had finally had enough of Godwin and his sneaky mischief. The king had just heard that Godwin had chosen a new archbishop, his own relative, Ethelric, As if being related to the king wasn't enough, now the Earl of Wessex wanted to be related to the Archbishop too. Edward went to work quickly and appointed his close friend Robert to the important job in the church instead of Godwin's choice. He knew that this would throw the Earl into a towering rage, but he didn't care anymore. It had been six years of bullying that he'd endured from that man and he wasn't going to put up with it anymore. Robert had travelled with Edward on that strange journey across the Channel with Harthacnut Canute years ago and it was time to give him the powerful job that he deserved for being loyal for so many years. Robert was appointed and set off for Rome to collect his pallium from the Pope. This was an ancient tradition where the Pope, who was in charge of Christianity for the whole world, presented new archbishops with a cloth woven from wool by the monks in Italy. It was then worn around their shoulders, a symbol of their link with Rome and the Pope and their closeness to God. If anything, Edward thought, Godwin had become more controlling over the years, barely disguising his concern that Edward and Edith were yet to produce an heir. A child, especially a boy, would have secured the throne of England, but Edwin knew that Godwin didn't care about that. He just wanted his own grandchild to be the King of England one day. The King was sat on his horse, paused from riding, and gazed out across the ocean. It was said that on a clear day you could see Normandy from this spot, but the King wasn't so sure. He missed his time in Normandy when things were more simple and he didn't have pesky godwins trying to take his power. But even Normandy was a threat these days. Ever since the ruler there, William, had married Matilda of Flanders, the two countries had become united. This force, just over the Channel, made Edward nervous. Surely William of Normandy might soon look to England to take it over and kill him. Then an idea struck the king. One that was so brilliant, he was surprised he hadn't thought of it before. Maybe he really was getting slow. To stop Godwin, always asking about an heir, and to ensure that Flanders did not invade the country, Edward needed to make an important announcement as soon as possible. He rode back to Winchester as fast as he could, arriving the next day, desperate to tell the court his idea. When the earls and thanes were all assembled, Edward stepped into the grand hall and declared, I have named my successor. If I do not have a child, then William of Normandy is to take over the English throne when I die. This will stop the threat from Flanders and all insecurities about what will happen when I die. And with that, the king left the room with a flourish, keen to get to the chapel and pray. The earls left in the hall were confused and angry, but none more so than Godwin. He had carefully orchestrated a marriage to his daughter, What use was it if William of Normandy was going to take over instead? The country would be ruled by the French. This would be down to him to stop this crazy idea. Part 4. The Standoff. Edward vs. Godwin. Godwin decided to turn to force. It might be all that this king understood. Edwin called on his sons to raise armies in the Midlands and East Anglia, and he himself called on troops from Wessex it would be a great army, all ready to fight against King Edward. But Edward had grown stronger over the years and was prepared to confront his father-in-law at last. He called on the other great earls of England, Mercia and Northumberland, who called up men to fight and rode in the aid of their king. It was September 1051 and the country was on the brink of a civil war as both armies raced towards London. Their camps were set on either side of the Thames and looking towards the army of the king Godwin's heart sank. Edwin's army was too strong. It was too numerous. He knew that he would lose this fight, and so best to negotiate instead. It was always something that he had been good at. The disgraced earl waved a white flag and approached, unarmed, to the riverbank, signalling to Edward that the fight was over. The king had won without even needing to raise his sword. Godwin asked Edward, pleading, what can I do to make up this terrible mistake? When would there be peace between us again? Edward replied, his voice full of hate, when I get my brother Alfred back. The king banished the Godwins far across Europe. From Flanders to Ireland, the whole family were exiled. Edith did not escape Edward's wrath. She was sent from the royal palace to live in a nunnery. She wasn't even allowed the time to pack a bag. The king was in such a fury. And so, at the end of 1051, Edward was feeling rather pleased with himself. He'd finally got rid of the Godwins and all that annoying talk about his lack of air. He had made the Archbishop appointment that he'd really wanted to and really shown the country that he was in charge, not the Godwins. The best news was that William, Duke of Normandy, had agreed to visit England and then Edward was to promise him the throne of England. The only problem nagging at Edward was that he still wasn't that popular with the people. He tried to fix this, and while feeling so powerful, he decided to abolish an unpopular tax that paid for a standing fleet of ships. He barely needed that protection now, anyway. Chapter 5. Godwin Comes Back. Edward's glee did not last for long. In the spring, just a year later in 1052, he heard that Godwin was sailing back to England, planning to invade. The tax that Edward cancelled meant that there were no ships defending England and the country was open to invasion. Godwin had spent the year amassing a fleet of ships and he stopped off only at the Isle of Wight to pick up his son Harold, who had together gathered more troops from Ireland. Harold and his father sailed to England, past Sussex and through Kent towards London. Just like the previous autumn, Edward was there to meet Godwin, just the other side of the River Thames but this time it was Godwin who had the advantage. The people of England had missed the Earl of Wessex and wanted him back, and this army was too much for Edward to fight. The band came to an agreement for a second time, where the previous punishment from the king was reversed. Instead of exile, the Godwins were welcomed back. They were given their land, titles and money, all as if the previous year had never happened. Even Edith was allowed to leave the nunnery, and rejoin her husband as ruler of England. It seemed unlikely to Edward now that William of Normandy would ever be the King of England.